The auction industry can be an exciting and fast-paced way that Americans and the world can convert desired items into cash. But if you don't know how it all works, it can become quite confusing. Welcome to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. In this program, you will learn how merchandisers, attorneys, estate executors, retail outlets, and the general public are using the auction system to their benefit. And you'll find out how it all works. Now, here is Ed Spencer with co-host Luke Spencer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this evening's show. Uh, it's a pleasure to have everyone tuning in. Uh, with me is my uh, son, Luke, and uh, we, he worked with me in the auction business. Jane, our assistant, she uh, is responsible for our, uh, all our research and things. So we're all three here tonight, and uh, we uh, thank you for tuning in. As I said uh, last week, and as we did the promotions for this week's show, we're going to, uh, or we are, uh, going to hit on, on antiques. Now, a few weeks ago, one of the first shows we did, we just kind of touched on antiques a little bit. We're going to delve a little more into it and hopefully uh, tell you how antique auctions work and and uh, some of the fun things that can happen at antique auctions and basically uh, how some of the things that you find and, and don't you think they're junk or not worth anything can be worth a fortune. So <clears throat> we're going to try to hit on some of that here tonight. Uh, some of our research we did, uh, we used this online uh, <clears throat> for as a as a research tool here this for this show, and we uh, a good magazine. If you're interested in antiques, <clears throat> like to uh, delve into the antique auctions and and get a list of antique auctions that are coming up, we use the the Collectors Journal, and that's www.collectorsjournal.com. Now that's a very it's a really good uh, publication. I think it's once a month, I believe. I believe it's once a month, but anyway, I'm not. I guess I'm not 100% sure about that. But, but uh, it comes out. It lists. It has very, very uh, many outstanding articles, and each week it'll figure. It'll, uh, it'll feature different, different parts of the antique business, and like antique firearms or glassware, or different things. They have stories on those, and plus it's got a lot of good uh, antique auctions listed. So. That's if you're interested in this this show. After this show, you can go to uh, collectorsjournal.com and and uh, <clears throat> you know and uh, access that. Luke and I we we sell antique auctions. We're I guess you'd call us kind of general auctioneers. Our 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 expertise and our uh, influence or we is uh, on land auctions. That's uh, my company here. We we uh, are a real estate and auction company that are. Across the, the entire spectrum of auctions and and real estate, but myself and Luke and whatever we're kind of, we specialize in land. So I uh, thought I'd bring that up a little bit. We haven't given ourselves a lot of commercial uh, advertising, I guess, through this when we started this show. But we do. Uh, Spencer Real Estate and Auction Company has an emphasis on land. We do lots of them, lots of land auctions. We're heart, we're located here in the heart of the of the USA in Iowa. And our, uh, we've got a very, very active land market. Our land is high quality. It's sought after by uh, farmers and investors from all over the world. And so uh, we are, the bulk of our business is, uh, our emphasis again is on land. We do everything, but our emphasis is on, on land. And we also own, um, have access to uh, uh, Farms America, which is, is a uh, site that, that promotes land and land auctions and, and, uh, and, and that kind of thing and that ourselves we are licensed in several states we're now we're licensed in Iowa Nebraska Kansas Missouri South Dakota Minnesota 
So I uh, just give ourselves a little plug. We do land auctions. Anybody out there want to talk in those states, want to talk about a land auction, we'd love to talk to you. I have a Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, South Dakota, Minnesota, and I think Illinois is on the, on the cusp of getting added here pretty quick. So if you're out there in those states, want to talk about land, we'd love to talk to you uh, at www.edspencer.com. Our uh, office, my, my home cell phone, uh, or my prime cell phone, 510-FARM. 402-510-3276. Our office is located in Logan, Iowa. Again, our uh, assistant here is Jaina. And so if you want to talk about that, those kind of things or land, why Luke and I both would talk to you and uh, love to have your business. Now I'll get back to the task at hand here for tonight. Uh, we do anti antique auctions, and I've done antique auctions throughout my entire career. And uh, some of them, I've had some very, very good ones. And then some of them, or just kind of so-so, meaning that some of the I don't what I don't mean so-so. Every auction is special, but what I mean is some of the material in these auctions is higher quality than others. Now, last we had an auction uh, for the Oakland uh, Historical Society. It was a, well, a year ago, two years ago, a year ago, about a year ago, and that was a uh, it was a museum that had some problems with their storage. They had a building uh, collapse on them, and they had to liquidate a lot of their antiques. Now, that was a very, very outstanding antique auction. We had buyers from all over the country and, and buying a wide uh, array of items. So that's kind of the auctions we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, <clears throat> a little bit, I'm going to get into to, uh, what an auctioneer does and, and, and a few things. Uh, basically, the parts, the parts of an auction can be broken down a little bit into valuation is a big part. Auctioneer needs to know his values. He can establish. He learns that basically by experience. Uh, he's he's uh, there's nobody's born with the innate ability to, to value something. So it, it takes experience and, and it takes a lot of research. If you don't have the experience to put a value on a piece of, on a uh, antique item or any <clears throat> anything as far as that goes, <clears throat> excuse me. Why uh, you you need to use uh, research and things to determine. But but as you as you, as the auctioneer's career progresses, he, he uh, will come up on a lot of things that he's sold and can draw on that uh, that in, in the, the those that those past experiences to uh, value it, value things. The next thing is cataloging. So after you evaluate something, a lot of auctioneers when the when the auction process starts, they'll call you up and say, Hey Ed, hey Luke, uh, what's this? What's this? Uh, what are these items worth? Now, here again tonight, we're talking antiques, so they might say, I've got an old this that belonged to grandmother or grandpa, or I found this in the attic or whatever, and then you try to put a value on it and then see if they've got enough to have an auction or to consign that item to someone else's auction. The next thing is cataloging, which means, hey, you've decided to have an auction for these uh, folks and, and they've hired you, and so you catalog the item. Usually, typically, we go out and take pictures and uh, and a little of it, uh, how we do that cataloging will depend on whether or not uh, the auction is held online or not. Uh, if it's not held online, if it's if it's available for online bidding, is what I'm trying to say. So, if that is the case, then we need to the uh, cataloging needs to step up a notch, and that each item has to have a picture and a corresponding description and a lot number that's given to the uh, to the, the the who we hire to put it on the uh, on the auctions. Uh, we're going to have the ability to auction uh, to to bid on uh, on our own website here coming up shortly. But right now we use proxy bid. Uh, they're 
I think they do auctions all over the country. They're a very, very reputable outfit, and they, uh, they're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and we've used them and uh, successfully, very successfully in lots of different auctions. I guess we've used them in coins and yep. firearms and, uh, and different things, and they're a good outfit. Uh, they do what they say they're going to do. Toys. Toys, yeah. You're right, Luke. Uh, toys, a lot of different things. No matter what you're selling, I guess. they'll. they'll what they'll do, again, from an auctioneer standpoint, you got to beef up your your cataloging and make sure you do it right. Then they, it's their job to put it out to the public. And then when that's done, why then they, uh, uh, they're, well, we usually have them attend our auction. You don't have to. But we usually have one on site, and so he'll be tuned into the internet. And when a customer bids on that, that that bid is he has a computer right in front of him. <clears throat> when a, a customer hits the mouse and clicks on that item to bid, way well, he turns right into the auctioneer, and then when he becomes the buyer of that item, well, then after that, why uh, he, the, he's notified. And of course, he has to pay for that item. And there's usually a buyer's premium associated with that, and we'll get into that a little later. And then the item is shipped to him. Uh, next thing, uh, cataloging, get closer to the auction. Uh, if you had a, if you had a really, really high dollar or, or uh, sought after auction of antiques, you need to allow for viewing. Uh, viewing can be done uh, the day of the auction. If you've got a lot of, uh, if you were a really sophisticated auction house, uh, like South, Sotheby's, Christie's, so they'll have viewing time set up when you can come and view and and we do too we'll have uh, even on farm machinery we'll we'll book we'll have open viewing at a certain date and time and you can come and and, uh, and look at those kind of things uh, and then uh, I guess I'm getting close to the break uh, next thing that you conduct the auction is the bidding and there's different things you know on on uh, what buyers uh, need to know and and uh, uh, and then you have the auction, and then hopefully you have a successful auction. I'm going to get in here in a little bit. I guess we're going to, it's a while to break. I'll, uh, uh, here again, to recap the first segment, the valuation, an auctioneer spends a lot of his time valuing possessions. He doesn't always put the value on them for an auction. He, he's called, uh, and I've been called, we do uh, several, what, three or four a week. Uh, from men, from uh, estates and those kind of things, and they want they want values on their items or land or whatever it is, and so uh, even though it may or may not go to an auction, we're we're uh, get the job of uh, putting valuations on on property. The cataloging I touched uh, uh, on. You've got to be very uh, very exact in how you describe things and make sure it's right, so you you. Don't mislead the public. You do things to the best of your ability. And high quality pictures. Is yeah, also. high quality pictures. You're right, Luke. Yeah, you got to. Well, you use a kind of, kind of camera you use. I'm using a Sony right now. I had a Sony, and I think we switched over to a Canon. I suppose it's better. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, well, I get along real good. I get a Sony. But he's right. You got. You need very, very good uh, pictures, and they go to a card and. Uh, Jana takes them from there and translates them, gets them where they need to be, whether it's on an auction flyer or to a... Uh, and then... Uh, when we sold antique coins here, um, we've had probably six six or seven antique coin auctions in the last year to year and a half, and those pictures seem to be kind of a big deal. I mean, it, we get a lot of requests for pictures of both sides of the coin, and and I believe it helps selling them. We've been very successful selling them coins over the internet and using proxy bid. So those pictures can add a lot of value to your to your property, to your antiques. And it takes time to properly take the pictures. Yes. 
lighting and things like that. And if they don't, if you get take a bad picture or, or a mediocre picture and it goes on the internet, they'll usually let you know. Yeah. And um, want you to retake it and send them something else. Uh, anyway, this. Uh, uh, anyway, get into insurance if you sell something. If you're at, the, at a higher dollar antique auction, then you might recommend to that buyer that they buy insurance. And, uh, you know, at the auction, uh, there's a, usually a lot fee. There can be reserves. This is a lot of things we'll get into here a little later in the show. So we're coming up on the break here, I think. Uh, uh, what else we need to hit on? Uh, we've hit on the viewing. Uh, viewing can be done in different ways. Uh, we're going to go to break right now. We're we'll, break? We'll, yep, okay. we're going to break right now, and we'll talk to you when you come back on the next segment. Thank you guys for listening to us. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. your plan going? Could you use a little help on your path to success? Why not step up and play big? Join host Chris Ruisi for a show that will help you identify the possibilities that await you. Too many people succumb to just being average when they could be exceeding average without too much more effort. It's time for you to become exceptional. Raise the bar to your success. Basically, it's time for you to step up and play big. Join Chris Ruisi every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jaina at edspencer.com. That's J-A-I-N-A at edspencer.com. And she'll make sure you have an answer as soon as possible. Now, back to Ed Spencer and Luke Spencer. Okay, uh, we're back. Uh, nice to have everybody tune in tonight. We're talking about antiques. And in the first segment, we talked a, a little bit about uh, oh, how, to, how an, an auctioneer goes about lining up an auction and things like that. And, uh, and then the, this, in this segment, we're going to hit a little bit. Uh, there's a, I come across in my research, come across a little interesting. Uh, uh, it talk, it's called the 10 Antiques That Are Setting the Trend in 2013 and it's kind of neat 
the top, and this is twenty. Obviously, twenty fourteen isn't over, so we're still 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 setting trends for fourteen. And thirteen, the top antique trends, and this is antiques at, at, at auction. It's called the. I uh, will maybe not pronounce all these one hundred percent right. The Art Nouveau, Nouveau style, and uh, is is the number one trend. The second trend is antique fine jewelry. Uh, right now, it's one of the most popular trending in, in, antique thing. It's things in antiques now is antique jewelry. We've had uh, jewelry, even costume jewelry, a lot of times sells extremely well. Different brands of jewelry, and that's uh, the second most popular trend in uh, 2013. The third was antique pocket watches. Uh, the pocket watches are always popular. If we ever have a pocket watch, we advertise them. A lot of times in this part of the world, we're blessed with coast to Omaha, Nebraska, Union Pacific Railroad. Once in a while, you'll get old uh, pocket watches from the UP or, or stockyards. Stockyards, yeah, that's right. Omaha Stockyards that uh, was one of the uh, top uh, livestock marketing uh, venues here for years and years and years, and we're close to that. So you'll get a lot of those things. Uh, pocket watches, they're real popular. Next item is uh, stationary and office items. Uh, uh, stationary office items like wax seals, business card holders, anything antique, uh, things like that. They're, they're back in fashion now. Uh, so old an office items are popular. Next is uh, antique lighting. That's number five. Uh, DIY design uh, make antique lighting looks better than ever. So that's uh, trend number five is antique lighting. Uh, trend number six is 1950s kitchens. It wasn't long ago everybody wanted to update their, upgrade their kitchen and from 1950s and get in the modern area. Now they wish they had them back because a lot of those old kitchen cabinets, things like that, are in hot demand today. And and uh, and the old colors, uh, you know, the, the, that back in the 50s you had the pea green, the mustard yellow, the pink. All those went out to lunch. Now they're back. We had a sale last summer, if you can remember, Ed. Uh, I think it was in Pisgah, Iowa, that there was. Uh, there was a 1950s kitchen set that was for kids, if yeah. you remember selling that. And we have uh, some people in our area uh, that are antique collectors and are also, they consider themselves junkers. They buy stuff and repurpose it. And I think we had... Uh, no, they, I don't think they call them junkers. I think they call them pickers in now. Don't they? Well, the, the lady here calls herself a junker. But anyways, they, they there was two or three women there that were bidding on that set. Yeah. Uh, to all three to resell, you know, for an antique and yeah. about very good money and it's yeah. in very good shape. Yeah, we have in this. But area. that's kind of an idea. That auction we had there wasn't all antiques, but there was antiques throughout. And when you have these auctions, you'll have you know some antique dealers there. They they might not be able to be bidding all day, but they'll they'll sit there for a few you know, a few yeah. diamonds in the rough, you know. And they'll make the market for you. You betcha. You might not know exactly. I don't think any auctioneer can say everybody's got their expertise, but I don't think any auctioneer can say, "Hey, this this item is worth exactly this." So, but but you should have an estimated guess, an estimated idea, and then and then that those buyers that that actual competition is called price discovery. That's that's what the auction business does, not only in the antique business for all kinds of items. It is the true price discovery. And uh, T, uh, TPD, and, and that just means that you know, when you want to know the market value of something, you put it on public auction, and, and if everything's done right, advertised right, and the auctioneer does his job, 
you'll find out what the market is on those on those items, whatever it is, whether it be antiques or whatever. But anyway, getting back, uh, the number seven circuit trend for uh, 2013 was pre-20th century furniture. So that's the same trend that brought back antique lighting. That's a, that's a carry-on to that. Uh, Pre-20th century furniture is very, very popular. And so that's number seven. Number eight uh, in the popular trend is vintage wine and accessories. It, it's it's a trend that they say it always stays on the list. No matter what number it is, it'll always show up in every year. So vintage wines and accessories are strong as ever. You always hear about a bottle of such and such vintage something that brought fifty thousand dollars, or or uh, a movie star or celebrity gave X amount of dollars for a bottle. So that's popular. Vintage wine and accessories. Number nine, china, fine china, uh, I, is is always very popular. Uh, but it's coming back. It's not as it, there was a while there. I know I brought from overseas. I brought some fine china back, and and uh, didn't know if it was you know it was would hold its value. But and maybe for a few years it didn't. But it's really making a comeback. So if you advertise fine china today, uh, Nortaki, we sell a lot of things like that. Uh, people are more and more people are looking for that st uh, those items today than they used to. <clears throat> Next thing that we do is uh, antique firearms. And uh, when we did our research in the internet, they they, they used the, the wording uh, "antique firearms are blazing away in the market this year." So, and they're always good. That's another thing. I suppose you put that with the wine. They're you know, whether it be antique or regular firearms, they sell good anytime. And uh, and so those are uh, some of the ten items. If anybody wants to call in. No, we'd like to have you call in. It's 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. We're talking about antiques. You can uh, their auction business, auction questions in general. If you want to incentive to call in, uh, anybody, the uh, next caller, if you want to call in, uh, we'll give you a $25 Visa prepaid uh, card if you want to call in and ask an intelligent question. Underline the word intelligent. Something yeah. about something about. <laughs> I don't mean to tell you something about something on target. Let's put it that way. A ask a question about antiques or uh, or uh, auctions, things like that. Uh, you know, twenty five dollar uh, give me a tank of gas might get you to work tomorrow morning. Eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. And uh, you call in, and the producer there, he'll get your information or whatever. We'll talk to you a little bit, and you'll get a $25 Visa prepaid card. Okay, now, so call in, if you would. Uh, there's a, another part of our research that uh, went into antique questions, what you need to know uh, the answer to. And uh, so when you go, when you uh, take a call for a household, uh, estate, or whatever, the Usually, the, who's ever in charge, if it's an elderly person just selling out or if it is an estate, the executive of the estate, they'll say, uh, we've got a lot of antiques. So you'll hear that all the time. Now, that, of course, everybody's got their definition of antique. Uh, you know, just because something that it's old just or because it's old and rusty doesn't yeah, mean it's worth yeah, thousands that's right. of dollars. Yeah, you know, because it might have belonged to grandmother or grandpa or Uncle Bill or whatever. It might be old, old, old. Maybe or maybe not be a, what is called a true antique. So there are different ways to define them. It's not the, it's not entirely age of the item. Uh, you know, so stand, the standard is, always used to be, the standard is uh, 
100 years old or more. So we'll get a lot of, of auctions where it says, uh, you know, we were, uh, you know, we're, this item was my grandmother's. I know it's over 100 years old and this and that and this and that. So, but that was the old standard, 100 years or more. Now, some antique uh, antique dealers will say 50 years. And so there's a little motivation behind that. The quicker you can call something antique, they think it, it, it ups the value. So antique is in the, sometimes in the, in the view, in the, uh, body of the beholder or who owns the item and uh, but the list of short factors to make an antique antique valuable uh, number one I'd say you'd say the age is of the antiques to so say you've got a piece of furniture or a piece of, of memorabilia that's a hundred years old or or could not might not have to be so terribly old rare is a big big deal so and the age of the antique and then you got the condition of the antique is it in good shape has it been preserved is it an old toy that, that, that they were played with for years and it's, it's not very good shape now, it's busted or whatever. So the, it, but is it, or is it pristine? Has it been put away and, and taken care of? The next thing that dis, uh, disguises what's an antique and what's not is the rarity of the antique. Now, a little bit in this, uh, this collector's journal that I re referred to here when we started the show, www.collectorsjournal.com, that that shows if you read that or go, you can even look at it online that'll show you different things of what they sold for at the end of the show here uh, before I, I, we, uh, we sign off here tonight I want to go over uh, some things gives you an idea of what some of these things can bring everybody hears a story of finding a Rembrandt in an attic but it does happen so the rarity of the antique that's popular the next thing would be the market demand for the antique you know who wants it it don't matter what you're selling at auction, you got to have somebody wanting it, and hopefully you got two or more people. It helps. <laughs> in the area you're at, too. Yeah. You know, if you had a fine bottle of wine here and where we live, it's probably not going to bring as much as if you had a fine bottle of wine in the hills of California. Yeah, or on the Riviera or whatever. Yeah. Like in so. our area, we have uh, a lot of uh, farm primitives for antiques, you know, a lot of and they sell well. You know, I thought you were going to talk to, I you say a bottle of beer is more valuable. That might be too. <laughs> <laughs> that might beer. be. Old bottle, yeah. There, then we have. I've had. We've had antique auctions of old beer cans. Yeah. You know, great. they're not. You know, they haven't. They weren't always made out of aluminum. You know, they were all rusty. You know, steel at one time. Is this a, like what Ed was saying? It's the supply and the demand. You yeah. Know, you hit your market and hit so your niche. And yeah, it's a demand. So another trick to that is, is you try to target when you get these items that you think are antique, where to go. You try to find, uh, you know, where is your market? And that's where the internet, I believe, comes yeah. into play too. You know, if you're in Logan, Iowa, uh, and you have a bottle of wine that everyone, you know, your research shows be worth $5,000, your best bet is to make sure that item's on proxy bid and is advertised yeah. in the right way. Yeah, he's exactly right. You gotta find you gotta get that that ad or those items in front of the people that want to buy them. We're so, gonna bring that up and talk a little more after this break. Thank you for listening to us. Please call in at one eight six one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero and remember uh, we are giving a twenty five dollar prepaid card to our next caller. Yeah. Uh, 1-866-472-5790. We'll see you in the next segment. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jaina at edspencer.com. That's J-A-I-N-A at edspencer.com. And she'll make sure you have an answer as soon as possible. Now, back to Ed Spencer and Luke Spencer. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here tonight. We're visiting about antiques and uh, trying to what is an antique and give you some examples and how to sell them and and uh, where to find them and what makes an antique valuable. Uh, we're offering a prepaid gift card here for $25 if somebody wants to call in and, and ask a question about antiques or general auction business or whatever. Now it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Should be worth a call, I think. Free so, money. Huh? Free money. Yeah, get you to work tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Pay the babysitter. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, it would. Yeah. All right. Now, we, we just talked about, uh, uh, you know, what is an antique, and we got down the list, the age, the condition, the rarity, market demand. The next thing that defects a, a, a value is a maker of an of the antique. Now, that, you know, certain, if you're an antique connoisseur or expert or whatever everybody's got their own uh, uh, field of expertise so whether it be furniture making or glassware or whatever certain makers that have been around for years or centuries or whatever long long time uh, they're known as of making good quality and and so the maker of the antique's important and then the quality of the antique how good is it if it's uh, it might have all the other factors and old but if it was just thrown around in somebody's attic for the last 50 years and, and bad, bad shape, it, it, it might not have quite the value that anyone thinks it should. So the uh, next thing you got to be uh, uh, careful of when you talk about antiques is are they real? Now, as soon as, this is hard to believe, but as soon as antiques, come, or as soon as something is made by maybe the original owner, 
or, or, or original uh, maker of a piece of furniture or whatever that has a well-known name and that that piece is sought after it won't be long and there'll be uh, there'll be knockoffs uh, knock there you go uh, the reprodu reproductions made right away and if a reproduction is made soon after something comes out it could be years 20 years down the road it could be pretty tough deal to uh, you know to uh, to decide I know they whether or not it's real or fake. I, it, close to us, I think, in the museum here in Omaha, Nebraska, I believe it was the Joslin, the, it was a news item that came out about a month ago. They had a painting there that they said that they thought was a was a duplicate. They're not not re, not was was uh, painted by a by a ma master, uh, one of the, one of the uh, most popular painters in the world. But they thought one of his students might have painted it. So they, uh, for years, it sat in the in the uh, attic of the jo Joslin Art Museum until the right person looked at it and then determined that it was real. So I think immediately the value of that painting went from a few thousand dollars up in the millions. And so, you know, everybody's been waiting to find one of those. I guess it's possible. Uh, so that's, anyway, how to tell if it's real is a big de deal and the condition that affects its value. And then we get to where where uh, do appraisers get their information for an appraisal? So appraisals on antiques are like the appraiser, appraisals on a lot of different items, whether it be land, machinery, whatever. Uh, you've got, uh, there, there are certain tools that you use to, to put a value on that, that item. And so uh, the, the information or the, the ammunition for an appraiser to use to determine the value, uh, one of them is uh, comparable sales. And uh, a lot of times, I know in real estate and farms and that, you'll go comparable sales. It's it's better if you can find a comparable sale within six months to a year, if it's possible. Six months is better. It kind of shows the market trend. If it's, you know, but if you can't, you keep going back a little bit. If you get too old, well, then uh, you know some of that that time factor kind of affects things. So, but in antiques now, they they go within the last five years simply because you know the duplicate sale on a certain item might be hard to find hard to find the next tool is past auctions now past auctions i hit on this a, a little bit ago an auctioneer when he comes his past all if he if he's going to sell an item he might remember hey you know three years ago i sold one about like it or and what did it bring and then so I'll have my, my girls here, my assistants, they'll go through the uh, our auction files and look up that item and for I remember what date the uh, or what, what auction it was and, and we keep files uh, uh, for years and they'll go through and say, Hey, you're right, we did sell one of those and they brought such and such and and so that, that helps determine value. Next thing is antique retail dealers, the, the shops. You can go in if, you, if you're trying to find a, an item and you can go in and ask the, the curator of that shop, and the, curator, uh, the manager of that shop, do you have such and such? Have you seen one? Have you sold one? And they say, well, yeah, we've got some on the shelf here. And, we're, and then you go back and see what, the, what they're asking for them at the retail level. Or if they don't have them, have you sold any and things like that? And that's done all the time. They're a good source of value. Next thing is eBay. You can get on eBay, and, and uh, this day and age, you can duplicate, find almost anything you want, I think, on eBay if you want to look hard enough. I think it's probably... eBay or Amazon. Yeah, eBay or it's probably all there. So you can get on there, and you can see what people are asking for things or what they've sold for, and so that helps you maybe value the item that you're working on. 
Uh, next thing is antique trade magazines. Uh, basically, the one I told you we're using uh, tonight uh, for a source of information, the Collector's Journal, www.collectorsjournal.com. And uh, that's good. Uh, I've got some here. If, it, we, if we don't run out of time tonight, I'll read you a few items and show you about how they, how they work and, and why they're a good source of value. The next thing is a network of appraisers and specialists. Over the years, you know, you're going you're gonna to find friends and acquaintances that do the same thing you do or whatever. And, and so it, it's not helpful to keep a, uh, a list of those around. And you can go back and refer to them. And if you're kind of stumped on an item of what it's worth, you, call, you look back and you go call a friend or whatever and say, Hey, Bill, I've got such and such for sale here. I haven't seen one forever or haven't seen one for a long time. You have, have you ever seen one, or do you know what it might be worth? And so the network of appraisers, friends, specialists, that's that's really good. So that's where appraisers kind of, what they use to determine their value. And, and a lot of that depends on how uh, sophisticated, you know, you take an auction house like Sotheby's, Sotheby's or Christie's, and I'll refer to those in a moment, and how they've sold a lot of antiques for millions and millions and millions of dollars now. I'm sure they're in. They're they're appraisers that they have on staff. They're at a new, they're at a lot different level than they would be at a, at a from an auctioneer here in the Midwest. But uh, but still, that they I think they use probably the same same criteria or same. Uh, you know, you, there's only so many things you can use to determine the value. Next thing is there's a, a lot of people ask, should I clean an antique? You, they see something that's in their attic or in the in their barn or in the garage and it's dirty and it's dusty and it's got a stain on it. So the first thing they do is they go pull out cleaning fluid and, and the soap and water and go to it and try to do the, uh, get it clean and look better. Sometimes that's the, the worst thing you can do. So you, you got to look at things. Some One of the, of the worst things you can do to an antique firearm is recondition. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They want, they, what's it called? Uh, we had one sell, you know, we had an antique firearm sell here about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and it was a 1906, I believe, uh, 22. Very nice gun. Beautiful. Looked like it was made yesterday. Um, it brought about $400, and they said if it was in its original condition, um, even if it was a little rusty and scratched up, it'd be worth 1500 So, I mean, that's just something... You know, it looked. Pretty, you know, the guy that did it probably wanted it to look like the day you know it was made, but ended up probably costing them in the long run. Yeah, sometimes though, sometimes the the condition of those older pieces and antiques they add they add value, they add character. And uh, so, if you got an antique, if if you find something or come across one or buy one that you think is needs clean or whatever, instead of just jumping in and cleaning it yourself, you need to. Take it to perfect to a professional, and he'll tell you what you should or do it for you. Hire them to do it, or they'll tell you how to clean things and what you should do. And so you're better off doing that instead of just jumping in and do something that might might you know hurt it. I guess. Uh, next thing is, what's the best way to sell an antique collection? Uh, there's different ways to sell uh, your antiques. Uh, number uh, auction houses. You can well, first of all, you can have your own auction. Don't have to be an auction house. We can have an call an auctioneer. We can have one. We'll do your auction at your location if it makes sense to do that. Uh, if it doesn't make sense to do that, there's a lot of factors that might affect you not wanting to have one on location. Uh, so number two would be to go to a to a, a hall or a public uh, forum where you could 
move those items in and have the auction there. Uh, next thing is auction houses. Now, there's auction houses and I've, uh, all over the United States that, that take their, those items and some of them will come and pick them up. We had, a, uh, we had experience with one more a year or two ago where they came and took the guns to a, to a location in Minnesota to sell them. But auction houses uh, are in that business to, to take guns and have their auctions. Next, eBay is another way you can sell things. You know, of course, that cuts the we auctioneer like out. That cuts the auctioneer out. That's not why we're not. We're, we're promoting our own business here. I don't want sugarcoat it. Huh? We don't like eBay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful. You might get a call. That's my hand. Huh? Huh? You right. might get a call That's now. That's all right. I shop on it, but now you get a, still your competitor. You might get a call now, somebody that, that likes eBay and still wants 25 bucks. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. Call. Okay, next thing is consignment with an antique store. So that here again, we don't like that either because we don't get to sell it at auction. So you can sign your list. Yeah, that's huh? true. Right? Yeah. Yep. I don't. Don't all antique store people call me and because I'm not after. I'm not making the antique it. store people. They're they they serve they're, a purpose. They're, they're, yeah, they serve a purpose. They and serve they're at your auction. Uh, also buy in to fill up their booth. Yeah. So. Yeah, so they're they're a good source, but I mean it's but they but their item you take the item you put a price on it you take it in consignment they put it on their shelf and if it sells and they they take uh, which is a good choice if you only have a, you know just a couple items yeah then they take a cut a commission and they take a cut and then give you the balance uh, private sale is where you just maybe advertise it in the paper or whatever or, or word of mouth and somebody comes along you price it and you buy it. Next thing, newspaper, online ad, Craigslist is a big deal. But what you're not getting with the newspapers and Craigslist and eBay you do, but with the newspaper and Craigslist, you're not creating you're not creating a bidding war. Yeah. You know. That's true. You, if you have find two people, you know, you might end up find out you sold your antique. Yeah. Part e of that eBay list. is still a type of an auction. You betcha. So there you can raise it, they can see what's been bid on something and and uh, you know, go on from there. So those kind of, uh, I don't know if we got time to go into some more antique terms here or not, but I guess we're getting close here. Uh, in our last segment here, when I when we come back, I'm going to bring up what I think is interesting, what some things have sold to some of these major auction houses uh, throughout the United States. Now, call in here. We're offering a $25 prepaid card. No you want to offer more than that? No. Call us at one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. We'll talk to you after the break. All Thank right. you. Goodbye. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. listening to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jaina at edspencer.com. That's J-A-I-N-A at edspencer.com. And she'll make sure you have an answer as soon as possible. Now, back to Ed Spencer and Luke Spencer. Uh, we're getting uh, th- welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Ed and Luke and Jana. Uh, we're going to get into some items that uh, will perk your interest and a lot. Show you how many dollars some of these things can bring here in a minute. <clears throat> One thing I wanted to hit on that I haven't hit on before is, is reserves. You get that question a lot if a certain, if a uh, person's got an item that he thinks is uh, worth so much money and he's a little worried about getting that amount of money at an auction. He'll ask you, can he put a reserve on that item? Well, the, action, the answer is yes, as long as you don't abuse the privilege. Uh, by that meaning, you know, not not every item on an auction is special. The, you know, a, an item that's worth a lot of money, maybe. And, you, and the, so it's common for maybe a seller to be a little worried about whether or not that the right buyers <clears throat> are going to be there to buy that item at that auction. And so in that case, they might say, I want to put a reserve on that. So there's two types of reserves. Uh, there could be a, a blind reserve, reserve and an open reserve. An open reserve is you to advertise in your in your uh, catalog a- advertising. We don't hardly ever do this, but you'd advertising in your catalog that this item. You'd advertise the item. <clears throat> you might say instead of reserve, they might say an opening price, opening bid price of such and such. And so what what it means is that they if they don't get that opening bid, they're not going to sell that item. That's another way of calling it a reserve. So uh, another way is a, is a blind reserve where they don't uh, advertise that reserve on, there's a reserve on the item. They just go, an auctioneer goes ahead and conducts the auction. If it gets uh, above that reserve price, then it sells. And he might indicate to the crowd that it's, there are different ways you can say it. it's going to the bank, it's going to sell. And uh, if it doesn't, well, then then if he doesn't, he's got to do what his, his customer wishes. And if he's that... Uh, doesn't want to sell it under a certain reserve price, then the auctioneer can't do that. So <clears throat> sometimes an auction reserve is usually set at 25 to 75% of an estimated value. So a, a $10,000 item on a painting, let's say, a typical reserve might be 2500 or 7500 just depending on what your customer wish, wants to do. <clears throat> is there a fee on a reserve? Uh, yeah, most times uh, an auctioneer takes some items, whether guns, we've had Buy back or reserve yeah. fees, right? Yep, you got to pay for your advertising and your time, and still got to pay your bills. Yeah. So if a if a if a 
if an item doesn't bring a reserve price, then there might be a fee associated with, with not selling that item, which will just help pay an auctioneer's expenses. Just more, it's just fair to the auctioneer. No sale fee. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah no sale fee is, is another way. And so, anyway, that gives you, that hits on the reserves and lets you know that just because you're putting stuff on auction, you don't have to go into a blind and just accept, you know, uh, you know, because there's good and the reserves are not very well thought of by the by the public there at your auction. Well, no, a public if you're a I mean, buyer, if they, if they were selling, they don't. I mean, you know, they, if they were selling, they'd understand. Yeah, but the buyers when they're there, they're not a big fan. And if you if you ever watch the auctions, like a Barrett Jackson auction or whatever, they'll a lot of times they'll tell you if there's a an a reserve on an automobile. Do they tell you? Yeah. A lot of them do. They'll maybe not always, but a lot of them do. And they'll, then if it goes past that reserve, they'll just announce it. We're past the reserve. We're past the reserve. The but they the don't tell itself. the price, though, do they? They don't say the price is. They don't do like an open price. No, I don't. Not to my knowledge. I don't no. think so. Either. No. Uh, anyway, I wanted to hit tonight a little bit on the on some kind of things that are interesting of how th much things can bring at auction, and uh, sometimes there are things that people just. For years, they thought they weren't worth anything, or, or and then they turned out to be worth a lot of money. <clears throat> so I've got a list of, uh, in our research, Jane found here, <clears throat> uh, most expensive antiques ever sold. We got a, a top ten list. Who's that? David Letterman. Yeah, let's count down from let's ten. Count down. We're gonna yep. count down from ten. Number ten. <laughs> <laughs> German royal soup tureen. It's a pretty good number ten. That. Uh, they brought wow, ten, so. huh? Wow! Yeah, ten point six million dollars. The German Royal Soup Tureen, uh, in that it's the same tureen that uh, King Louis the Fifteenth they had soup in. So it's a uh, real, real expensive, and and uh, you know, the, I guess what makes it so expensive. There was at one time a lot of them, but a lot of them were melted down to finance uh, French wars and things like that, and. And uh, the French Revolution, so that few of them that survived are very valuable. Number ten, German Royal Soup Tureen for ten point six million. Number nine, an antique secretary, secretary desk brought twelve point four million. It was handcrafted in seventeen sixty by the Goddard and Townsend families, and they've made seven to nine such desks wherever manufactured. And there's only one left today, and that's the one that was sold. And uh, the Goddard and Townsend were families of Quakers living in a cabinet-making community, and it's a Chippendale-style antique secretary desk, 112 inches tall, and uh, it's the most expensive piece of American furniture ever auctioned and sold. Sold to the Brown family in 1989 at a Christie's auction, the big auction house I told you about I refer to all the time. Christie's auction about $12.4 million. Number eight, an illustrated folio of the Persian Shah brought $12.5 million. Uh, it's one of the most uh, finest examples of Islamic art mastery. Uh, dates around 1500, specially made for the Shah, specially made for the Shah of Persia. Uh, opaque watercolors, uh, uh, alleged as the greatest illustrated manuscript of all time. It was auctioned and uh, sold by Sotheby's in London in 2011. And it's the most expensive piece of Islamic art ever auctioned and sold. Uh, folio Persian, of the Persian Shah, $12.5 million. That's number eight. Number seven. Uh, number seven, uh, emerald and diamond tiara, $12.7 million. Exquisite antique piece of jewelry. 
and uh, need to speed her up here a little bit. No, you're oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Hey, hey. Six minutes till close. I see. Emerald and Diamond Tiara, $12.7 million. Uh, exquisite piece of jewelry. Uh, it was uh, uh, manufactured around 1900, de de decorated with 11 rare Colombian pearl shaped emerald gems, 500 carats. Uh, the rare antique sold to an anonymous buyer during a Sotheby's auction in 2011 in Geneva for $12.7 million. Now, that's number seven on the list. Number six is the Ming Dynasty gold tripod vessel. It brought $15 million. We're moving a little higher now. $15 million, Ming Dynasty period, the most famous period when it comes to Chinese artifacts. 18-karat gold vessel dates from the... Exond, I can't pronounce that. Period decorated with natural pearls, rubies, sapphires, gems, featuring two dragons. And uh, anyway, that vessel, Ming Dynasty gold tripod vessel, uh, brought $15 million. Number five, moon flask in pink and blue enamel with white porcelain, brought $16.5 million. Quinlong Long Dynasty uh, has Quinlong uh, six character marks. Anyway, it sold a moon flask with pink and blue enamel, sold during a Christie's auction in Hong Kong in 2010 to an undisclosed buyer, $16.5 million. And we're running a little low on right. time, so I maybe touched the number two and number one. Getting down that close. Yep. Okay, number, well, I'll just hit them. I won't explain them. Number, number four was an elephant, brought $17 million. And uh, it was the second highest price ever paid for a work of art. Number three, Leonardo da Vinci's Codex Leicester brought $30.8 million. And uh, it was a, and then uh, number two was a badminton uh, clarinet that brought $32 million. And, uh, and then number one was the Ping Qing Dynasty vase, a vase in the Qing Dynasty brought $81 million. So it goes to show you, you kind of keep your eyes open, lightning does strike. Some uh, of that stuff made in China is worth a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, some of that stuff from China. Yeah, if you took, if you did your homework, five of the top ten came from China. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Yeah, you bet you did. Yeah, so I mean. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're, we're coming up on our close. We appreciate you guys for listening to us. And... Um, I'll let Ed touch oh, yeah. on well, thank, yeah. next week. Next week, we're going to try to hit on, uh, we'll watch the ads and, and things to put out, but next week, we're going to hit on livestock auctions. I think we're going to show, one thing we're going to try to hit on, we show how livestock auctions affect your grocery bill. Everybody, most people, not everybody, most people are meat, meat, and like meat. So uh, we're going to hit on livestock auctions next week, give you an overview of that. If you have questions you can uh, about that, want to know about it, you can email them to Jaina. Uh, at any time during the week. So that's what we'll be talking about. We thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your attendance, your, your listening, and it means a lot to us. And uh, remember, Spencer Real Estate and Auction Company, Farms America, if you want to get, buy or, or sell land or anything. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Okay. See you next See week. next week. Thank you again for tuning in to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. Please join us again next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Ed and Luke Spencer hope to speak with you then.